For context sake, I will read several verses, starting at verse 1. Again, the anger of the Lord was roused against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel, Israel, and Judah. Go take a census. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army, who was with him, Now go throughout all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and count the people, that I may know the number of the people. And Joab said to the king, Now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times more than there are, and may the eyes of my lord the king see it. But why does my lord the king desire this thing? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the captains of the army. Therefore, Joab and the captains of the army went from the, pres went from the presence of the king to count the people of Israel. Verse 9, then Joab gave the sum of the number of the people to the king, and there were in Israel... 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword, and the men of Judah were 500,000 men. And David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I've sinned greatly in what I've done, but now I pray, O Lord, Take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. Now when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, or prophet, uh, saying, Go and tell David, thus saith the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself, that, that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and told him, and he said to him, Shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? Or shall, shall you flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days plague in your land? Now consider and see what, I, what answer I should take back to him who sent me. And David said to Gad, I'm in great distress. Please let me fall into the hand of the Lord. For his mercies are great, and do not let me fall into the hands of men. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning till the appointed time, from Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men of Israel died. And when the angel stretched out, stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, it is enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. Chronicles says Ornan. Then David spoke to the Lord, and when he saw the angel of the Lord striking the people and said, surely I've sinned and I've done wickedly, but these sheep... What have they done? Let your hand, I pray, 
be against me and against my father's house. Uh, let me skip down a few verses. Glory to God. No, I can't skip down. And God came, and Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of our another Jebusite. So David, according to the word of God, uh, word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. Now Aaron looked and saw the king and his servant coming toward him. So Aaron went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Then Aaron said, Why has my lord the king come, my lord the king, come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Aaron said to David, let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are oxen for burnt sacrifices and threshing implements and the yokes of the oxen for wood. All these, O king, Arna has given to the king. And Arna said to the king, may the Lord God accept you. Then the king said to Arna, no, but I will surely buy it from you. For a price, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. So David brought, bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. I want to talk about a revelation of sacrificial worship. A revelation of sacrificial worship. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In preparing for this message, I read a statement in one of the commentaries, and it said, a religion that costs nothing or that cost us nothing, is worth nothing. Are you listening? A religion that cost us nothing is worth nothing. This underscores the thought that the Lord gave to me. A faith that cost us nothing is worth nothing. Also, worship that cost us nothing is worth nothing. Worship that cost us nothing is worth nothing. Are y'all listening? Part of the malady of the problem of the church today, of Christians today, is that for many of us, our worship cost us nothing. Christianity becomes formality. Worship consequently becomes formality. 
<sighs> we come because it's the right thing to do. We learn the songs because we are the singers. And that's our job to do it. And we learn songs that are pretty and nice. We read the scriptures. We give the sermon and we go home. Back to a life that is lived without sacrifice, without honor, and without glory to God. I'm reminded of an old song. I was reminded as I was writing this. Uh, the type of song that we don't sing anymore because it's, it's out of date. It's old-fashioned. The song asked the question, Oh, Zion, what's the matter now? Oh, Zion, what's the matter now? You don't sing like you used to sing. What's the matter now? You don't pray like you used to pray. What's the matter now? You don't shout like you used to shout. What's the matter now? Oh, Zion, what's the matter now? The problem with our worship is that it is costing us nothing. Now, now I'm not suggesting that, that you can bribe God or that you can pay God for any favor or any blessing. I'm only saying that the people who believe that God is God and that Jesus is Lord need a revelation of sacrificial worship. A sacrifice costs you something. Costs you something. Paul said in the book of Romans, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your acceptable form of worship. So God is not looking for your songs. He's not looking for our uplifted hands without a yielded life. And a yielded body. Mm. Yeah. 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 Sacrificial worship. Sacrificial worship. We need a revelation of sacrificial worship. Worship that will cost us something. Worship that proceeds from a life that has had to pay a price to get to where you are, a price of struggle. Listen now, because this is not what we like. A price of struggle, a price of hardship, a price of trial, a price of tribulation that also recognizes that it was no one but the sovereign God who was able to bring you through what you've been through in your life. Worship should never be a tip to God. Never. What we offer God should not be coming totally out of our ease, but out of our struggle, out of our hardships, out of our tribulations, 
out of our pain that has pushed us to seek the face of the Most High God and trust Him for intervention in our situations and deliverance from our situations. Are you hearing me? Worship that, that cost us something. Cost us something. I'm not saying that you're not going through. Some people are going through some things, but you're not attributing it to God putting you through. You're not attributing it to God allowing you to go through. And if God puts you through something, or if God allows you to go through something, he does it for his glory, and he does it for your good. And it's not always easy. It's not easy. Trials, troubles, tribulations, hardships. And if I asked all of us in here today how many of us are going through something, everybody would raise their hand. But how many of us are willing to say God did it? Or God allowed it? For his glory and for our good. And out of that, comes your worship. That's why the old people used to sing a song, I'll go if I have to go by myself. If my mother don't go. If my father don't go. You see, I've been through some things and I've learned that if it had not been for God, I wouldn't be standing here right now. So it makes no difference what you do. Sacrificial worship. It costs me something to get to where I am. It costs me something to have the faith in God that I have. It costs me something to get to worship this morning. You know, when I think about this, you know, my mind goes back because I, I used to hear my grandmama talk about, you know, how they would go to worship, you know, and, 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 and you know, some of them had to ride on, on, on the back of wagons and some people had to walk. And she said, we take our good shoes with us. I know, you know, you're saying that doesn't relate to us. I'm going somewhere with this. She said, we, we take our good shoes with us, you know, and when we get to the church, we take off our old walking shoes and, and, and we dust them off and we go in into the house of the Lord and, and we would have a glorious time worshiping and praising God. But we come in ease. We put on what we're going to put on in our bedrooms. Already shine. Elder Hudson says he laid his shoes out last night. Amen. Had them all strung up, ready to put on this morning. And he didn't have to walk in mud to get to his car. He walked out of his house on a paved sidewalk, on a paved driveway to get in his car. How many of the rest of us did the same thing? Did the same thing. We didn't come out of struggle. We came out of ease. I'm not saying we got to go back. I'm just saying we need a revelation of sacrificial worship. Life is easy for a whole lot of us. Oh, yes. 
Tell the truth and shame the devil. Life is easy for a whole lot of us, and so we don't feel like we really need to really offer God anything. Truth be told, on a hot summer day, if the air conditioner broke down, folk would be staying at home because there are no windows to open. Some folk would because it's too hot in there, and don't let it be out for two or three weeks. We come out of ease. You know, we don't even dance like we used to dance. I mean, you know, we don't, we don't dance until sweat is running off of us. You know, we don't go home when our clothes tore up. We pay too much money for these things. We ain't tearing up nothing. Sacrificial worship. And some offer nothing to God. Some people just come and sit, go back home. I don't know the songs because I watch on television and they have a monitor up in the church and the people at that church can sing. They can read the lines. Baby, some people can read the lines and still won't open their mouths and and crack a praise to God. Sacrificial worship. I want to look at the Scripture and see what the Scripture says to us. Uh, The Scripture says in verse 1, again, 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 the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. Again, referring to that was another time that the anger of God burned against Israel in in, 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 in 2 Samuel chapter 21 when King Saul, uh, when there was a famine in the land, for three years, and David sought the Lord to find out why was there famine in the land. I mean, God is for his people. God is blessing his people, but now there's famine in the land. And God told David, it's because of what King Saul did to the Gibeonites. Yeah. Who are the Gibeonites? So the Gibeonites were those people that when Israel was coming into Canaan and, you know, they saw Israel defeated all of the other nations, they disguised themselves, you know, and they went to, they went to, went to, went to um, Joshua, thank you, went to Joshua disguised as people that had been traveling from a long distance. And they tricked Israel and to having mercy on them and not destroying them. When they found out, and Israel made a treaty with them, and when they found out who they were, they had already made a treaty. Amen. They would serve them. They would not destroy them. But, but King Saul, in his zeal for Israel, fought against his, the Gibeonites and, and, and killed many of them. And because of his sin, God brought a plague, I mean brought a famine in the land. Oh, I wish people today would just be honest and say that we're having floods and we're having earthquakes and all of these things are happening because God is angry with the land. God said again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. And God stirred David. Now, 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 you have to understand something because if, if you don't read, if you only read the Scriptures, okay, this is why you have to study. If you only read the Scripture at face value, you'll miss some implications. So when the Scripture says that God did this, it's writing from the understanding that God is sovereign, that there is no power, demonic or anything else, that supersedes God's power. 
And you see examples in Scripture where God even used wicked nations to punish his people. So God can use Satan to rise up against his people to bring punishment. So actually God allowed Satan to tempt David, to stir the heart of David, amen, to to take a census of Israel. You say, well, there's nothing wrong with taking a census of Israel, and there's nothing. We do census every how many years? But you see, the problem is, yeah, 10 years. So the problem was that, that, that now, 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 David, you don't need to know numbers to defeat your enemy. You need to trust in your God. You don't need to know how many people there are so you can enlist more people in your armies, amen, so you can go out and defeat more nations. I am the Lord your God. I will fight for you. I will go before you. It makes no difference how many they are for those that are with you are more than they that are with them. I know I put a couple of scriptures together, but the essence of this is that David, the devil tempts David, and David becomes lifted up in pride and vainglory, and decides against the advice of Joab, against, against his knowledge of God, against the advice of Joab, and even the captains of the armies, David says, I want you to take a census of the people. You know, when you look at that thing, the other thing this teaches us is that, you know, not only is God sovereign over every power of the world, but it also says something to us because I know some of us will miss this and not understand it. It's important to note that the Lord oversees the judgment process, okay? Amen? And this ought to soothe our minds and ought to give us hope because it means that there is no evil action that can occur that's not subject to God's oversight. Are y'all listening to me? There is no evil action that can occur that is not subject to God's oversight. Who treated you evil? Who mistreated you? Who was looking? Who saw it? So, I don't have to hit you back. That's why God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Are you hearing me? Don't get all frustrated and flustered and and mad because somebody mistreated you. Somebody was looking. The sovereign God saw it all. And God has a way. Lord, have mercy. You got an evil supervisor at work. They're mistreating you. They're walking over you. But you have a God who sees it all and has a time set. Do you believe God? The, 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 the issue is, do you believe him? Are you willing to wait? Are you willing to wait? I had to tell somebody yesterday, you can't put a limit on God. You can't say that this has got, this has got to happen. In, in, in the time that I've set for it to happen, I'm going to look for something else. Can't say it. Not if you trust God. God does not move in our time. 
he moves in his own time. And when God moves, he moves in a perfect way and nobody can stay his hand. Yeah. So God oversees. And God has divinely imposed limitations. There's only so far the enemy can go. You got to take solace in this fact. Look at Job. God allowed Job, allowed Satan to touch Job, but God said you can't take his life. As long as you got breath in your body, you got hope. There's only so far the devil can go. Anyway, let, let me go on with this, 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 this lesson. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so sacrificial worship. So we see David out of his pride, out of his vainglory and self-confidence, distrusted God and decided, and he was tempted by the devil to do it, and decided to take a census of the people. Now, after the census is taken, all right, uh, David, and David is given the results. The Bible records David's, that David's heart was condemned. It condemned him, and he sought forgiveness from God. In verse 10, it says, and David's heart condemned him after he numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I've done, but now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done, I have done very foolishly. Mm. Yeah. And so David arises. I better read the rest of this again. And so David arises in the morning. The word of the Lord came to the prophet, said, go tell David, I offer you three things. Huh. I'm either going to allow you, you got to choose these. Shall seven years of famine come to the land? Shall you flee from your enemy three months? Or shall a plague come on the land for three days? David has wisdom. Somebody wrote a book, a sermon one time. It's a dangerous thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. But I'd rather fall in God's hands, David says, than a falling man's hands. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather fall in God's hands than a falling man's hands. So, so David, David chooses to, to, to allow for God to send the plague upon the nation of Israel. And 70,000 men died. Throughout the land, 70,000. And the angel of the Lord has a sword drawn over Jerusalem, ready to destroy the city of Jerusalem. And God had mercy. God relented. God changed his mind because God loves his people. Lord, have mercy. You know, I thank God for him loving me because out of his love is his great mercy. And I'm sure there have been times the Lord would have just wiped me off the face of the earth, but he had mercy on me. He looked at me in Jesus, and he didn't see my sin. He saw the blood of Jesus. Ooh, he, saw, he saw Jesus and his blood that was covering me, and he had mercy on me. 
not thank God for Jesus. You ought to thank God for Jesus. Think about your wickedness. Think about your pervertedness. Think about your hatefulness. Think about your meanness. But God chose not to wipe you off the face of the earth, but had mercy on you. God sent this plague. 70,000 men died. And David realizes it's his fault. Can you imagine knowing that somebody, 70,000 people die because you sinned? David said, I'm distressed. And I don't think distress expresses the grief and the sorrow and the hurt and the pain that David was feeling. David said, I'm greatly distressed. Greatly distressed because it's David's sin. David spoke to the Lord and said, surely I've done wickedly. But these sheep, Lord, these people, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and my father's house. Saints, listen, you ought to thank God for trouble. I know you, not too many people are going to say amen to that. Your trouble, your trials, your tribulations, your hardships should push you to the Lord. They should push you to the Lord. Just think about you in your ease when everything is going well. Well, think about people in their ease. Everything is going well. They don't think about God. This is where the tipping of God comes in at because things are going well. So I'll come to the Lord. I'll come to the house of the Lord, but, but I'm only giving him a little bit of time and I'm only going to do so much. I'm not going to mess up my makeup. I'm not going to mess up my new hairdo. I'm not going to tear my clothes. I'm not going to look silly. I am not going to look silly. I, I, I'm a man. I'm, I'm not going to look silly up in the church, dancing and shouting, lifting up my hands. You know, you know, you know what, 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 what Michael said to David, his wife? said, you out there twirling naked before those, all those women, looking foolish. David looked at her and he said, you haven't seen anything yet. I will be even more vile before, before you and before God. Amen. For the wonderful things that God has done in my life. You know, and the people, we used to sing that song, I would dance like David danced. And people are singing, I'll dance like David, dance, I would dance, I would dance, and ain't doing nothing. Ain't doing nothing. I used to get so sick of that song because they're not twirling, they're not doing anything, they're not tearing anything off, they still got the shoes on something, I'll dance like David dance. I'm asking, how did David dance? 
I mean, when they were playing the music, David was dancing before the ark of the Lord. David was trialing the king of Israel. Dancing before the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Yeah. 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 We got to go back. We got to go back to recognizing the hand of the Lord in adverse situations and circumstances in our lives so that we return to the Lord in repentance uh, and return to the Lord in faith. When we're going through things, God is not trying to kill us. That, that's not his desire. I mean, the dead can't praise God. I know, you know, we talk about the spiritually dead can't praise the Lord, but if you're physically dead, you can't praise God. So he's not trying to kill you. You may feel like you're dying, but you, what's happening is you're dying to yourself. I tell you, that's a rough thing when you, got, when you think that you're all this in a bag of chips and God allows you to go through and your chips start getting stale and crunched up and your bag is burst open. All over the floor. <laughs> but he's not trying to kill you. He wants to put you back on the wheel and he wants to remold you and reshape you and make you into a vessel that's pleasing to his sight. So that you worship him out of your struggles and your trials and your tribulations. Yes, out of your love, but let me tell you something. We can say we love the Lord, but until that love has been tested, you don't really love God. And God is going to test your love. He's going to put you through things. You say, oh, I love the Lord. We say, no, I love the Lord. He heard my cry and pitted every groan. He's going to give you something to groan for. He's going to give you something to groan for. He's going to give you something to lay on your bed and weep and cry. He's going to allow the devil to bring a fixing in your life so that you really know that you love God. Because until you go through something, and come out trusting God, you don't really love him. You love what he's doing for you. When things are going well, you love what he's doing for you. You don't love him. God does not want you wanting his hand. He wants you desiring his heart. So we got to go back. And if we will listen, listen. Some of you are going through some stuff that the Lord allowed you to go through. And all he wants you to do is listen to him. Pay attention to him. Allow this thing to push you closer. Oh, God, help us today. You see, the Bible says God is a jealous God. God is a jealous God. And, 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 and he's jealous not just for the land, as Joel says, but he's jealous for his people. He's created us in the image and the likeness, in his own image and his own likeness, and he desires us. And when he sees us going off track, he wants to bring us back. He wants to bring us back. What we see here is we see David and Israel experiencing the wrath of God's jealousy. And God instructs David to build an altar, okay? 
and offer a sacrifice and atonement for their sins. Now, Jesus has already made atonement for our sins, all right? He's already made atonement for our sins. We don't have to try to do that. So that's not what we're saying here. But we can learn something from this account in the Scriptures that speaks to us about sacrificial worship, okay? The first thing, the first thing is we need to recognize, we need to see that we are in trouble. Lord, have mercy. David saw that he'd made a mistake. David owned his own mistakes. He saw that he and his people were in trouble. God had been fighting for them now, and, 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 and against their enemy. Now the hand of the Lord has turned against them. They were in trouble. 70,000 people died. And the angel of the Lord has his sword drawn, stretched out over Jerusalem, ready to kill more. They're in trouble. In trouble. Let's open our eyes, saints. We are in trouble. This nation is in trouble. Many people don't want to acknowledge it. In trouble. Trouble. Trouble in our homes. Trouble in our communities. And trouble in the church. And we will never go back to God until we really see the trouble we are in and who is behind the trouble. We can't put it all on the devil. There's a sovereign God. The devil can do nothing unless God permits it. We want to say on television, they're not going to say God, Mother Nature. Mother Nature released her fury. I said, no, God is angry with this world, and God has released his fury on this world. We got to see that we're in trouble. You worry about 70,000 people die. God can create 15 trillion just like that. Do you realize that every one of us belong to God? So if, if God allows a deaf angel to come and kill all of us in here today, God can replace us just like that. God does not deal on our level. We got all these emotions and all these feelings and we don't want to hurt people's feelings. God ain't concerned about your feelings. He's concerned about your salvation. So you tell you in so many words, these are my words, you're low down, stinking, good for nothing. You need to repent. Those are my words. Thank God's. God will tell you. He'll deal with you. How many of you have ever, ever laid in your bed at night or drove down the highway all by yourself and God is dealing with you about you? Nobody else but you. You be saying, but Lord, he did this, she did that. God said, I'm dealing with you. I'm showing you, you. You got the stinking attitude. You got the bad disposition. 
You did wrong. I'm dealing with you. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Stuff start happening, and you be wondering, you be rebuking the devil. And, and, and God's saying, it's no sense you rebuking the devil because you can't stop the devil's hand when I have allowed this thing to happen. Can you imagine David calling all of the priests and the Levites and saying, let's proclaim a fast. Let's put on sackcloths and ashes. And they could have fasted five, 15 years and until God had mercy on them and relented, their fasting would not have made any difference in the world. Are you hearing me? We need to see that we're in trouble. We need to acknowledge that only God can help us in this mess we're in. Only God could help David. Only God could help Israel. David didn't look for anybody else. David went directly to God. And it did not stop until he followed the Lord's instructions. I tell you, when we realize that we're in trouble and acknowledge that our education can't help us, our money can't help us, our good name can't help us, the government can't help us. Our parents can't help us. Our few minutes of weak worship can't help us. Then we will turn to God. Because I, I, I think I've said this a lot. Unless you worship every day, what you present to God on Sunday morning doesn't mean a hill of beans. Because you come in here with your dry self uh, in any church. I'm not, I'm not talk, preaching just to T.O.P., with your dry self and in the church, and you haven't worshipped God all week. I'm, I'm, not just, I'm not saying thank you, Jesus. I'm just, I'm, I'm talking about really worshiping the Lord. When, you, when, when you're singing as unto the Lord, when you're praying and you're fasting, you're in the scriptures, you haven't spent time in the presence of God all week long. Then you come on Sunday morning with your drought and your famine, your spiritual famine. And you give something that you think God wants. So this is the song that Pastor chose for today. So we're going to sing the song. This is the song that the praise team is singing, so we're going to sing the song. But when does it come from you? When does the song stop being a song that you're singing to the people and you start singing it to the Lord? And you don't have to wait until Sunday morning to sing to the Lord. Oh, Jesus. You can't stir up dry people. Baby, you need some fire. So when I bring my hot coals along with your fire, then we can start something. But if you don't have any coals and you're depending on all of mine, you're going to help put mine out. Some of y'all don't know anything about building fires. 
But when you put green, wet wood on a fire, you're going to put that fire out. I'm almost done. Praise the name of Jesus. When we realize we're in trouble, our education can't help us. A good name can't help us. The government can't help us. Family can't help us. Everything we do can't help us. And we turn back to God. Then we're put in a position where we can offer up sacrificial worship. And you see, you see, and this is the last point. We've got to offer God what he's looking for. We've got to offer God what he's looking for. So when I get ready to prepare a message, I can sit down all day long with my Bible open and my notepad there, but until I say, God, what is it that you want to say to your people? I get no revelation. I get no, because it's not about me. It's not about what I want to say to you. And I thank God it's not about what I want to say to you because the church would have closed a long time ago. You know, if I said, well, everything that I wanted to say, oh, Pastor, you don't think like that. Look at what David does. David goes to the threshing floor of Arnon in this scripture. In Chronicles, it says Arnon, the same person. Uh, but he goes there and he, he buys the threshing floor. The man wants to offer it to him. He's the king. So the man wants to honor him and give it to him free. But look at what David says. David says, I will not offer up to God something that costs me nothing. David refused to take it for free. He had to press through this thing, not arguing, not screaming, but in humble submission to the will of Almighty God, and he had to offer up a sacrifice that cost him something. Can't offer God will worship. I determine in my will what I want to present to God. We've got to offer God what he's looking for. Sacrifice. Sacrificial worship. Born out of love for him, yes, but a love that's tested through trials, troubles, tribulations. Oh, but all I have to do is name it and claim it. I'm a child of God. I shouldn't have to be going through this. How many people have said that? Thank you. Everybody else won't be honest. Thank you for being honest. How many people thought it? Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll help you out. I'll raise both hands. <laughs> so y'all, oh, y'all righteous people, you never thought it. I'm a child of God. I shouldn't be going through this. Mm-hmm. Who says you shouldn't be going through? Jesus said, in the, world, the, the, in the world you'll have tribulation, 
But be of good cheer. Do you know what it means? That you're going to have tribulation. Things are going to come. You're going to go through in this world. He said, you will be hated of all men for my name's sake. Was it Peter who said, all who will live godly in this generation shall suffer persecution. So I'm a child of God, and I shouldn't be going through this. Think it not strange, the fiery trial that is about to come upon you, for your brethren have suffered the same thing. What are you going through that somebody else hasn't gone through? Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and what will happen? You need some help. You need some help. Tell your neighbor, you need some help. And I can't help you. But I know one who can help you. If you just turn back to him, if you look to him, if you lift your eyes unto the hill from where your help comes from, your help will come. Don't just offer God anything. Tell you what, Cain offered to God an offering of his crop and offering. But Abel offered the best of his flock. Uh, Cain offered of his crop. Abel offered of his flock. Abel had to select the lamb. He had to make sure that the lamb didn't have any imperfections. He had to make sure the lamb was not more than a year old. You know, he had to dress the lamb, had to kill the lamb. Blood had to be shed, and I'm sure some of that blood probably was sprinkled on him and dressed the lamb and presented it to God. But Cain brought an offering. Nothing special. No thought to it, not too much effort, just an offering. Abel's offering was accepted. Cain's offering was rejected. Saints, if we get back to worship that is born out of our struggles, and we worship God in spite of what we're going through, you know, we're in a generation now when people start going through, they don't want to come to the church. We don't see people wailing before the Lord anymore. Not too many. What I'm crying, what, what's she crying for? You need to be crying too. Think about our forefathers who had to work in the fields all day long and never, never broke even sharecropping. But they struggled to send their children to school, struggled to feed their families, struggled to maintain dignity in the midst of a society and a world that wanted to keep them down. But yet they worshiped God. Now we've made it. God is not relevant anymore. We have a different revelation of God. Our songs don't even speak to struggle. 
That's why sometimes I just take my time and go back and I just sing some of those old songs that helped get me over. When I couldn't talk to anybody, I could talk to the Lord. I probably could have talked to somebody, but I'm like most people, you know, you feel like you can't talk to nobody, you know, anybody. You can't trust anybody, you know. You overlook those people God put around you. So you find yourself by yourself. But I thank God that I knew how to go to God. Saints, we got to come back to sacrificial worship. Worship that costs you something. Not just bringing your tithes and offerings. But maybe for you, it's bringing your tithes and offerings because you've been robbing God for so long, you can't trust him. Maybe for you, that's part of your struggle. You got to come back. Come back. You got to press and push your way through whatever that hardship is, whatever that struggle is, and worship God in the beauty of holiness. God will honor you. What did God do for David? God stopped the plague. God went back to blessing the people. Last verse says, and the plague was withdrawn, withdrawn from Israel. I want to see some things withdrawn from us. <laughs> I want us to hear this. Sacrificial. <laughs> 